Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second Talking Comics end of year celebration. The date is December 20th, and uh, you're listening to episode number 629. My name is Steve Say, and joining me for this year's celebration are Mr. Bob Ryer. And the spirit of the season. Ho, ho, ho. Now I have a comic book. <laughs> Joey Bracino is still with us, though he did almost check out a few times since the last episode. Bob and I are done, man. We could we we could leave anytime we want. <laughs> Smoking cigarettes, leaving twenties on nightstands. They're ready to leave. <laughs> uh, Aaron Amos is here, getting ready to take over his first presentation in just a little bit. Hello, sir. I'm gonna lay this bitch down. <laughs> John Burkle is in the house. Come on, I got Hallmark movies to watch. Let's go. I know. <laughs> Chris Carey's here. Yes, I'm here. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Having watched we broke Chris. We broke Chris. I'm still mad at John from the pre-show. It's fine. <laughs> hey, Chris, did I ever tell you how I met my wife? No. How, how you met my, uh, my mother? <laughs> well, it was my, 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 my failing family <laughs> Christmas tree farm. Uh, I'd lost the love of my wife a few years or earlier in a tragic tree chipper accident. Yes. Um, Kayla, she was trying to find the perfect mm. uh, tree for her overbearing boss, who was also right. trying to steal my From land. From the big city. From yeah, the big, city. big city. She came to my small town, yeah. Noel, and she taught me to love Christmas and her. You think Aww. being funny and wow. cute is going to make me not mad at you, but like I can't hold a grudge like I'm Taylor Swift. <laughs> Come on, I just I'm writing Hallmark. I'm I'm writing Hallmark fan fiction. That's just for you. Yeah. Well, just wait till we get to our game because you might be in the right headspace. Let me just say. <laughs> All right, Bronwyn Kelly say is also here. In case that laugh didn't give it away, yeah, after yeah. the afterthought. <laughs> I can't help thought. it if people bust you in are and the take thought, over. Babe. <laughs> <sighs> So this is our second week of celebrating our favorite things of 2023. Of course, these lists include comic books, movies, television, music, anything you want. Uh, Variety is the spice of life. And we're going to season the season with stuff. I don't know. (laughs) 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 We're seasoning the season. You know what? Starting starting next year, the show's going to have a new host. How about that? (laughs) Season the season. Actually, yeah, season it's, it's Steve Tay. Steve Tay. All right. Um, let's games, do a game. Games, 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 games. Hi. As if we didn't already imply it, 
we are getting close to the Christmas season and John inadvertently gave you a preview of what was to come because we are going to play da 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 da, da make it Hallmark. Oh Woo! no. Yes. <laughs> we so, will I guess that you. means I'm out. <laughs> no, no, you're first up, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so, Candace Cameron's gone. You're good, buddy. Yeah, I was like, oh. no, it's new Hallmark. We allow black gays now. <laughs> yes. I was like, I'm wondering. Uh, this is, this underneath the mistletoe starring Aaron Amos. Hell yeah. This is Hallmark after they learned the word diversity meant more than just short people. Um, <laughs> And a, and a brunette once in a while. <laughs> oh God, not the brunette. <laughs> the brunette. A red hat. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> Lacey Chabert is their diversity. <laughs> Lacey Chabert was their diversity for a hot minute. <laughs> a long time. That's really <laughs> true, actually. But now they looked up diversity in the dictionary and they went oops a doops a do and they. <laughs> <laughs> and Lacey's picture isn't there. You know, I was, yeah. They were like, oh, our bad. <laughs> they even do one Annika movie every year. Anyway. <laughs> round and round. <laughs> oh, my God. It's got so, Candace Bergen in it. Oh, God. <laughs> so we will give you a team from a comic book property or family, and you will have to make it Hallmark. Broadwin, hit us with that first team. Ooh, okay. I am thinking we are having our Hallmark moment in the X-Mansion. X-Men, but make it Hallmark. Who and go. go. John, I'm looking at John, I'm looking at John. and Aaron. Okay, okay. I'm Here we go. John. Here we go. All right. A few years previously, the Xavier Institute for Gifted Children broke up after the tragedy of the loss of Xavier, mm. who died on Christmas Eve, and they just couldn't get it back together. Kitty's still hanging around the mansion. Uh, Colossus is there, you know, working in the garden and doing his art. But Cyclops, the real son of Xavier, had left in a huff. <gasps> But then he Shot. comes back because it's a calling, because they need to turn the Xavier Institute into a Christmas home for gifted children who there don't celebrate Christmas. And the they only person he can do it with, <laughs> the love of his life, Jean Grey. Emma Frost. What? I, was gonna, I, was gonna, I was like, which one's it going to be? I wasn't sure where it was okay. going. No, no, hold on. Hold on, Joseph. Oh. I'm getting there. Oh. And so... Scott goes on a cross-country search for Jean Grey. This is a three-part And when he series. reaches her, he realizes she doesn't love Christmas. <gasps> There's only one person who loves Christmas. I'm not surprised by that. Kitty Pryde. Emma Frost. <laughs> Emma Frost. Yes! Yeah. The Frost queen herself. She even has yes. a Hallmark name. Distant cousin <laughs> she of. Pulls, she pulls on her new X-Men era white thing, whatever it was, and they open up the doors to all these new mutant children who love Christmas. Excellent. And at the very end, they kiss and it says, scene. <laughs> <laughs> and she's ready the to go. 
Shoot, that's because they, they all end. Like in the last 30 seconds, <laughs> yes. they kiss and then it's over. Because they Ice can't fans, go on they're from there. making it snow behind yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And they're all filmed in Canada to skirt the, the, the yes. healthcare laws. In, in May. <laughs> the big <laughs> yeah. city of Toronto that might be New yes. York, but we don't know. They're Either filmed- Toronto or yes. Vancouver because Vancouver, Vancouver's Hollywood. Yeah, yep, Vancouver. Yep. In cheaper. the middle of Vancouver's May cheaper. when it Better is taxes. hot as fuck. And so mm-hmm. everyone's sweating through their mini sweaters. Yep. <laughs> God, fact, am I they... this unfamiliar with the Hallmark oh, uh, formula trend and pattern? <laughs> yeah. Apparently, fact, they legitimately finished filming the last one of their thirty this year the day before the strike, just to get them all done. <laughs> I've never seen a single ha- Hallmark. They have their ever. own Hallmark Christmas Channel now. Yeah, I can watch them year round. That, not that I do. I do. <laughs> not that I do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. From your, your there. <laughs> For this game, I literally changed. I'm wearing. I love Hallmark Christmas movies. I'm sorry t-shirt. if you if you're feeling bad about yourself and having a bad day, you kick one of those on. You feel yeah. good about 30 minutes in. It's yep. true. And there's five gay ones. Five. Yeah, I will yeah, watch five. them all year round. Those five gay ones. I and they're all starring Jonathan Bennett. I don't care. I'll watch all five Jonathan Bennett movies. There's a new one. <laughs> well, I don't know. There's there, there's is, a new it's, one last it's night. Bennett. No, no, no. There's a new one last night where there's a gay couple in oh, it. And they're yeah, the Cherry women, Street. Yeah. Oh no. Oh, that's Jonathan Bennett. Yeah, it's him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's also him. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. I was gonna say, no, the new one is him too. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they, he's you know, their, they, they, he's their gay, so, which is really funny because all the other guys on Hallmark also gay, but they don't play the gay characters. So <laughs> it's, it's really not about diversity. There's just one gay in their whole universe, is what you're There's saying. There's one gay in their whole universe, but it's more of a multiverse, and all, every universe is gay. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. All, but all of the other leading men are also in real life gay. So it's really funny that none of them have been gay in the movies. I'm yeah. still no. very amused by it. <laughs> they are. This is not me making things up. They actually no, are. They are legitimately all gay. All, gay. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's describe Hollywood. All right, yeah, let's exactly. have another universe. All right. So for the second one, Bat Family, but make it Hallmark. Okay, I'm. I'm going to do something. I'm going to. I'm going to ad lib. I want to cross Hallmark and Lifetime. Oh, oh no! So, <laughs> very different no, vibe. Oh, women in Jeopardy oh. over Christmas. Yeah, so my, my, my Santa, my stalker. After sitting on his lap at the mall, little oh. Damian Wayne finds. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> he's, I think he's, I just read this book. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> you get the drift. That's where we're at. <laughs> oh. Ooh. I got intense. I'm very uncomfortable now. <laughs> this like, wait, but does the story become Damien trying to prove that Santa isn't real and he's just yes. stalking Santa for the rest yes. of the story? Damian because in which case, Santa. Bob's pitching. Bob's pitching. Let Bob pitch. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, and, and we, we end with we end with the hallmark uh, moment, but it, we, we use that old letter. Yes, Damien, there is a Santa Claus. Ah, over a bunch of dead reindeer and and elves. Yes, and and people choked with bolos and yes. And if we're gonna stay with the home, we're gonna stay with the hallmark motif. John and Damien kiss. Yes, Yes. thank you, John. Yes, Yes. John's my John is my script doctor. Thank you very much. Yep, yep, yep. Very fishy. John's like, we got to take out a little of the blood, but okay. A little of the blood. No blood. No blood. Okay, it's great. We're there. We're there. We'll get there. There can be death, but it has to be bloodless. Yes. Yeah, and it's usually off camera, and it's always somebody's wife. It's like, yeah, yeah. his wife tragically years. died three years ago. Exactly. He's right. learning to love again now. 
Yeah. Yes. It dies yes. of the love story disease. A couple little mm-hmm. costs. But <laughs> off screen, she moved to a better city. Yeah. <laughs> she dies of tragically being a woman in a backstory. It is exactly. very deadly. And disease. she always dies in the holiday season. It's bridges are so rough in the holiday season. Like I, you really, true, as true. a woman, have to be very careful. You have to be very vigilant. <laughs> I, 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 be vigilant. From from the made up diseases. Vigilant. Constant, Ronan, what do you have? I don't know. Hallmark disease. I, I don't think I'm going to make it. I have the fridges. The fridges story. are coming for me. I'm so sorry, Steve. All right. My year so end 2023. Okay. <laughs> wait, a wait a second. Before that, do you hear that in the distance? Tanny! Oh, God. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what that is. You fool. <laughs> it's the little man in the boat, Aaron. <laughs> nope. I don't I don't go anywhere near boats. So. <laughs> take that however you like. All right, Aaron, you gear up Bam. for your presentation. We'll take this. Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Five. Of course. The clit. Of course. With his phallic both- and his tail. Come on. He's a master swordsman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in any way you'd like to take that. And his fingers are shaped like this. Oh, That's yes. so true. You're right. He is <laughs> yeah. prepared. He yeah. is prepared. I, I I feel like Nightcrawler fucks everyone and is yes. probably, I At think he's, he's desperately, <laughs> he desperate can... to please. His, his mutant power isn't just teleportation. His secondary mutant is, he is the perfect lovemaking machine. Mm-hmm. What an amazing orgy scene where you can just like pop around to the different moments. Just bamf around. <laughs> no, yeah, bam, 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 bam. Oops. Is he in? Is he out? But he is also very religious. Do we, does he pray hey, first? Bob, hey, if, if we know anything about people with religious trauma, they he let, he let go of it. Okay. Yeah. He only we, believes in the spark now. So consider, just afterwards, he'll condemn himself to hell after the fact. Yeah, okay. Look, if there's until the next thing. time he sins, yeah, go to confession. Absolutely. You can always, yeah, you just ask for forgiveness yeah. in the end and you're good. Literally, look, up, look up anything about lapsed Catholics and you will have your answers answered, Bob. Yep. <laughs> oh, we'll be doing the end of 2024 before this is over. What's happening right, right now? All right. <laughs> ready? All right. All right. Go for it, Aaron. All right. So for those of us who are in the know in our chat, uh, I had a a crisis yesterday where I was just like, God, these folks seem really, really prepared for this end of year thing. And I was oh, like, nope. this is not the episode for that. It's like, very, uh, very funny of him. And I we don't like, know why he thought that. And I was just like, I'm really just going on like pure emotions of what, you know, what pops in my mind in the year. Anyway, it's all vibes. So it's all, all vibes. So I, I have lists. I'm going to go through those lists. I'm going to go sort of out of order a little bit. Um, and sort of just talk about, and I'm probably you'll probably hear me touch on some of the things we've already talked about, but um, I will just start with the one uh, OGN that I, I could remember reading this year. Um, the one OGN that I really thought I wanted to talk about, because I mentioned, I, I believe I mentioned that I read it, that was probably going to come up at this point of the year, and that's Queenie Godmother of Harlem. Um, and if you remember, who wrote that? Hold on, I have that somewhere. Queenie Godmother of Harlem, who wrote that? Uh, that is, yes, Elizabeth Columba and uh, Ariel Levi, or Levy, however you want to look at it. Um, and that is a story of, literally, Queenie, godmother of Harlem, who uh, 
you sort of get to see the her origin story as well as her story today. She is basically, as the name says, a, a mobster, a gangster, you know, in New York, who basically came out of uh, an abusive life uh, in the islands uh, in the Caribbean, and you know, just sort of talks about how she had to address her life uh, as a woman uh, in this time period. Uh, and it was really, uh, I thought it was something that was done so well and really spoke to um, a struggle that, you know, continues today. So I, I really thought that that was just a good book. And as I'm talking about this book, I'm talking about it first, because you'll probably see as we go through the things that I'm talking about, a theme. And that theme is basically you know, with the exception of some of the things I'll talk about, basically being able to see diversity woven in to the, the comics aspera without there being, without it being heavy handed, you know, it just being a, an, an aspect of what we are reading, but not necessarily leaning into, Hey, look what I did. I threw a, a, a you know, a diverse character in here. So let me focus on the, or what makes them diverse. Um, and those are kind of the things, as I said earlier, when I was looking at, you know, the review folders and I was looking at the books that I was reading throughout the year that I would sort of lean into, like what what is being represented. So Queenie Godmother Harlem, uh, something I definitely wanted to make sure that I talked about. Um, I was even thinking about some of the characters that really, really made me sort of see that i didn't get all of them here but I, that i was thinking of throughout the year because i didn't want to go on forever but some of those characters seeing storm take center stage in the x-men books uh this past year especially in x-men red okay steve it's okay it's all right <laughs> but especially in x-men red so basically for all intent and purposes being queen of mars i'm just going to say it that way she was essentially queen of mars uh throughout the whole year and sort of just seeing that done so flawlessly and so effortlessly um I just, I really, it was, it was one of the things that drew me to the book and re- made me really look at the book. Miles Morales, the way he's being, he's being written by Cody Ziegler uh, throughout the year, not just in the way he's being written, but in the way he's being represented in the movies and in video games, which I'll talk a little bit about later. Um, Cordelia Moonstone from the Magic Order, just seeing this this woman sort of rise up from the first chapters of this book, uh, from being basically the the outcast loser of the family to basically being the badass. Now we'll talk a little bit more about our friend Mark Millar later, but I'm going to look at you, John. Um, you know, Escapade, Charlie Jane Andrews' character from uh, New Mutants, uh, Sheila Sexton, um, just an awesome representation of a trans character, a trans hero as well, surrounded by non-binary characters. So these are the things I was sort of thinking of as I was going through and thinking of my year and how well I think the industry represented all corners, uh, you know, this year. Um, there's a bunch of books that I just sort of thought of as, hmm, what really pops in mind when I think about those things that brought me joy or allowed me to switch gears when I'm in the middle of like a long work day. And so that's kind of what came up here. So I'm going to start with uh, with my books. I'm going to start with Mr. Mark Millar, uh, The Magic Order, for which we have talked about incessantly throughout the year. Um, I just, I, 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 I'm just keeping a couple of that with uh, Prodigy Icarus Society. Those two books flawlessly tell a story about a character, about characters that um, are not, I wouldn't say off the beaten path, but a little bit more well-rounded and well-defined and, and created as, as characters that just, they, you, they keep you interested. They keep you engaged in the story. They're not cape wearing 
um, hands on their hips, you know, a symbol on their chest. I'm going to swoop in to save the day, but rather empowered individuals or extraordinary individuals that are just, you know, doing extraordinary things um, in ways that make sense in the universe, which is something I think Mark Millar is really, really good at. Now, I don't know why he chose to blow all that to shit at the end of the year with one book, but that's on him. I, I will I will leave that to him. Um, but I think those you books- You have a magical way with words, Aaron. Oh my God. <laughs> just you know, blew it to hell. Well, okay, fine. Live your best life. Um, it's your toys. You go play with them. Um, but I think I, I, even still, I think those are the types of things that draw me into the books that I, that I, I, I aligned with this year. So as you'll see that none of them are, most of them are not, you know, the mainstream characters that we think about. One of the other books, uh, GCPD, uh, the blue wall, John Ridley, Renee Montoya, just basically talking about her role, uh, as commissioner, uh, in Gotham and what that looks like, not just from her having to deal with her past, but also her having to deal with the structure of the helps going to say it the organization of 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 poli- being a police officer, um, and the way that's written. And John Ridley, we've said before, just has this way of injecting a sense of realism into you know all the books that he does. He brings all those other books that he did, uh, the history of books that he did with Black Lightning, and um, uh, uh, just all these books. He just sort of brings a layer of. He takes it out of that superhero world uh, where it's just sort of there are these unattainable, untouchable, and he puts them in a world that makes sense. He he answers those questions. What would happen if these characters existed during the civil rights era or if these characters actually went into underprivileged neighborhoods? So I, I really like the way that he writes um, and the way that he brings those those characters into a new space. Um, another character, uh, another book, Flawed uh, by Chuck Brown, um, similar. Uh, Great characterization, great sort of storytelling. Um, again, a lot of these books talk about, they set the stage by talking about an alternative upbringing for, for some of these characters um, and what brought them to where they are and how they are ad- addressing the world that they live in. And it's not always altruistic. It's sort of situational, um, but it still takes you through a story that keeps it interesting. Um Sirens of the City, Joey talked of the city. Joey talked about earlier. Amazing art, um, amazing storytelling. It, half the time you don't know what's going on. You have to go back and you have to reread it, but it's such a fun story. A um, couple of other things that are just I'm looking at from off the beaten path. We've talked about it. I put pictures in the chat. Steve Orlando, Sainted Love. Let me yeah. tell you. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> Talk about someone getting bent over. He, uh, he, he that would have us, been on my list if I didn't love, think that you were going to take it. He, let me tell you, he does not hold back, um, and neither do they. Um, oh, listen, I do. You said it. Yeah, it's it's so you know it's still. But here's the thing: some people are going to open that book. The dude bros might open that book and and look at it and be like, "What the hell?" Well, first of all, dude bros aren't going to buy that book. But um, if if someone forced them, they're going to look at it and say, "What the hell?" But others are going to look at it and say, "You know what? This." makes sense to me. And that's why things like this need to happen. You know, I and so I've I've really, really enjoyed um just sort of seeing that grow, that that diversity and storytelling grow throughout the year, not just in the the backgrounds, but in the 
the faces, the, the, the identities, all those things. Now, at the same time, I still loved a lot of my, my mainstream stuff. We have talked about the X-Men all, you know, Krakow and age of the X-Men ad nauseum. So I'm not going to go into the background, but I will say I have loved the connective tissue of those stories. Even when they've dipped and they've come back up, it's been a story. It's been a pathway that has really allowed me and my co-host, you know, those that, you know, who aren't triggered by some of the books to <laughs> connect. God, I can't, I can't get a break. I'm coming at you. No, um, <laughs> no, uh, to connect, you, you've heard it. You've heard the excitement that we've had when we're looking at, when we're reading some of those stories on this show. And I think it's something that, you know, is another one of the joys of reading comics, being able to share, you know, share that excitement with, you know, your your teammates, <laughs> essentially, as you're 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 going through them. Um, X-Men Red, I talked about Storm. There's also the milestone stuff. Um, one of the things that sticks out the most for me is the static uh Shadows of Dakota, Nicholas Draper, Ivy and Vita Ayala. Again, another hero story, um, but a hero story f- with the context of who, where he lives where he exists um, and how that influences whether or not he's going to make a decision. As you've probably heard me talk about in a previous episode, there is a Malcolm and, Luce and, and and Martin scenario happening right now in the story that actually just wrapped up uh, last week um, where those questions are literally being made central to the, the storytelling. Um, so those things are cap- captured me. Some other things on the list that I really, really have enjoyed, uh, Wildcats, Matthew Rosenberg, just fun, just just plain ridiculous fun. Um, just seeing them exist on the outskirts of the DC universe and have those main DC characters pop in from time to time and just seem so inconsequential. It just, it makes my day uh, to see a space where, Superman and Batman and all of the, you know, the associated characters are not the center of the world and everyone's cowering, but rather looking at them like an afterthought, like, eh, we'll deal with them later. We 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 got other stuff we need to do. I don't know. That just spoke to me. Um, Strange Academy final, Scotty Young. I told you she was crazy, but it was I'm just gonna just gonna double down on that. But again, it was the ending of I honestly it does feel like an end of an era, but it was just such great storytelling. Such great character development. And I think it was just an example of being able to make an incredible story if you invest in developing characters that aren't in your top, you know, top tier character list of people who aren't, you know, Avengers, people who aren't Justice League members, but, you know, people who exist on the periphery and just being able to, because you get, you have so much more room and space to develop them without having to adhere to, you know, editorial ideas of what you know, what these characters will look like. And just seeing those characters evolve just brought me so much joy over the various volumes of that book. Um, Thor, Thor and Grumbeck. I just always love the way they identify, how they create characters. Um, Not just with Thor, but with Jane Foster, how they create characters and how they take the story and make it sometimes, take the story of an incredibly powerful being and make it sometimes less about punching your way out of things, but more about what the emotional impact is. There is such... Such dedication to unpacking Thor's relationship with his father that I thought was was really great and how that influenced the way he would rule as a king. Um, just, you know, really interesting ways of telling things. Other things I really enjoyed, Iron Man, Invincible Iron Man, uh, Jerry Duggan, uh, just that Emma 
Tony vibe. Um, I want more of that. Uh, so it was just a great story uh, throughout the year. Um, I'm going to identify this one as my bright beginning because it's really early, early on. That's Green Lantern War Journal with uh, John. Um, you know, uh, I just, I just really love him as a Green Lantern, and I really love what PKJ uh, <laughs> is doing here. Um, just that relationship with his mother, which is something that speaks to me, obviously, because I'm very, very close with my mom. But, you know, again, not being the hands on your hips, taking him out of that space, not being the hands on your hip emblem on your chest character, um, but more so leaning into your daddy vibe uh, and just knowing that you can whoop ass when you need to whoop ass. So uh, if you look at this whole list, these are honestly things I keep, I, I give myself sort of a, what do you want to call this? The litmus test is if I am knee deep in something for work that is just overtaxing my brain, which books do I open up on my iPad and read to sort of reset my brain? And that's kind of what I was looking at when when I was going through my list for the last year and just saying these are the books that sort of help me drag myself out of whatever sort of straight line my brain, ones and zeros sort of approach my brain had sort of slipped into and moved into a you know, this is more creative and something that gives me, a, you know, some joy that sort of grounds me back in the fact that, you know, there is a creative part of war, of your life that, you know, we need to sort of tap into every now and again. We talked about Spider-Verse, Spider-Man Across the, the Spider-Verse. Uh, even though I, I raged over that ending, I do love that movie and I've watched it several times uh, since then. Um, I loved Barbie. I, I figured some other people were going to talk about it, so I didn't put it on my list, but there are definitely a, a few movies that I really, really enjoyed this year. One, I didn't put on our, on the, the outline, but I don't know why I keep going back and watching this movie, but John Wick 4, come at me, bro. I don't care. Um, I just keep going back and watching this movie over and over again, literally right up until the final scene. It just you know brought me joy. Um, some of the moments from this year that I really, really... Uh, enjoyed FlameCon 2023. Just being there with most of the faces here. I'm looking at you, John. Are we most supposed to be doing those here. now, though? So, oh, good point. Sorry about that. Because um, I was actually going to, okay, so I was actually going to roll that into the next thing. So I'll just skip that and go right to the next thing that I was uh, talking about. Sorry. Uh, podcast. Um, the reason why I was going to talk about that podcast, the Homo Superior podcast. Um, and being able to connect with those guys. Uh, see, there was that relationship to FlameCon there that I forgot about. Um, the Homo Superior podcast, something that I, I, that relationship that I'm really, really happy we've made. But if you're not listening to that podcast, you have to listen to it. It really has given me a a, a great appreciation for, for how people see the X-Men. It's just fun. It's just a lot of laughs. It's just, a, you know, and those guys are really, really good friends. And I just really, really enjoy um listening to that podcast and all the other subsequent podcasts that I've hooked up with after um, going to that event that I won't talk about yet. Um, but uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. no, 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 no. You're right. I forgot. Um, a couple of last There's things. An injunction against it. You can't talk about it. Exactly. It's all good. Last couple of things, people that really just, for whatever reason, rose into my, the zeitgeist of my reading or just envisioning this year, um, Steve Orlando, as we talked about before, um, because as you've been listening, Bob talking about uh, Wanda, I'm talking about Saint to Love. Steve has really been in his moment 
you know, these last couple of years uh, with uh, Marauders, uh, this book. He's had a, he's had several other books where you've had this opportunity to lean back into one of the big two and tell those stories, but then go and sort of, you know, let his hair down and talk and, and talk about other types of characters in other books. And I've really just been enjoying watching that happen. Um, Philip Kennedy Johnson. I had never knowingly read a Philip Kennedy Johnson book before the last couple of years and just leaning into his take on Superman and now his take on Jon Stewart. I really, really uh, been making an effort to go back and just sort of catch up on some of his stuff using that app that I won't mention as well, because I don't want to, <laughs> you know, start that up again. Um, Joey mentioned Karen Gillen. Um, yes, we know Joey interviewed him at one point. Um, Karen Gillen had been just killing it, sort of taking over. Karen and, and Jerry Duggan taking over uh, the the X-Men Krakoa world and, you know, allaying our fears that it was all going to go completely to shit after, you know, Mr. Man left. Um Jorge Jimenez, he's just fucking hot. Why does there say? Um, Cody Ziegler, um, just going into Cody Ziegler, Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Um, I, I, I talked about this while we were watching it, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier about being able to see yourself or being seen. I have really just enjoyed the way they have leaned into Miles being from East, from, from well, I, I get confused sometimes, East New York, but being from the other parts of New York that the Avengers don't often end up in um, and what that looks like and those characters and being surrounded by those characters um, and, and different types of villain and different types of challenges and what that looks like from a family perspective. Really been enjoying that. Um, Andrew Wheeler. So, so gay with, with, with all the writing uh, that I really just um, enjoyed seeing uh, not just, you know, from the gay representative coming out perspective, but from the gay campy, we all have those sides of us perspective, um, which I've just really, really enjoyed. So if you look down the sort of weird list of things that I've talked about, it's really just about what is speaking to me in the moment. The other things that I'm going to talk about going, because I know I'm skipping all over the place. There's just a few more areas. Going back to podcasts. So I am a podcast person. I don't know if you know this. Um, I am a major, major podcast person. And I listen to a lot of podcasts because I just they give me an opportunity to sort of just hear different perspectives. And I don't often find myself trying to dig into watching the news because I don't, it's just like a, you know, a visual of the, the world being a dumpster that's in, on fire rolling down the street. Um, but one of the things I listen to, one of the things I listen to regularly, obviously, is Homo Superior Podcast, but there's another one I look forward to every Monday and Wednesday, and it's just something that's so entertaining. If you ever just want to step out of yourself and laugh, The War Report um, with Gastro Monte and uh, Shelley was sharp. They are comedians that live in East New York that really just, they are, their take on events of the day is just hysterical, and I really, really, really love them. Um, I really look forward to their podcast every Monday and every Thursday that they put it out. And it's just a great, really great take on things. And there was another one that I just listened to recently that I really enjoyed. And for some reason, it just it's sticking with me. Um, it's called The Kids of Rutherford County. I don't know if anyone's heard of that, but it's, it's Kids of Rutherford County is basically a, a podcast about this county, called uh, Rutherford, where there was just this inordinate number of kids being thrown in jail. Um, for the weirdest things, uh, essentially you're being, uh, uh, 
fight in the the playground at school um, with, you know, kids that are from age like 10 to like 13. And those kids will get picked up by the police and get thrown in jail and be left there overnight, you know, put through all the things being made to do the perp walk, et cetera. And it literally just became this rite of passage that these kids were thrown in prison. Well, this podcast talks about, you know, how that unplayed, how it played itself out. It happens over, I think, four or five episodes. How it played itself out, how it came to be, the fact that it was incredibly illegal and what happened to the county and the judge who basically had ownership of that. It's just something that was really engaging and just uh, it will make you raise your fist in the air and scream. But, you know, it was a, a very interesting podcast. I'm going to go back to, to uh, no, I'm going to hold that for later. Never mind. Um, TV. There's a few things I watched that I think everyone is going to be aware of. I talked about it on the show, Castlevania and Castlevania Nocturne. I just really enjoyed uh, this year, just that storytelling, uh, you know, process, um, the the serialized storytelling from an anime. I just, uh, it was just really fun. And the fact that Nocturne was faithful to the Castlevania story, but added to it in a way that really, really spoke to me. And I actually got uh, Eisner Award winner, uh, Dr. Professor Carolyn Coca on that. She's, she's going to check out, I said, oh, I'll just pop in and check out one episode. She texts me a few hours later. All right, I'm on episode six now. So I'm good. <laughs> so I'm like, I guess it got I the seal. I like, I guess it got the seal of approval. So amazing. Um it was really good. Um Heartstopper, because it's Heartstopper. You know how it is. It just Hell yeah. If you want your emotions to bubble to the surface and oh if my you're God. A, if you're an old queen who remembers your youth, listen, all these things, they matter. Um, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Yeah. I'm still shook by that ending. I'm just saying. Yes. Um, and I'm still waiting well, for it. To, no, no spoilers. To, to pick, oh, sorry. I'm waiting for it to pick up. I'm just gonna say that. But I'm okay. I'm shook by that ending. Um, and so again, so was Eisner War winner Doctor Professor yeah. Carolyn Coca, who literally texted me that day. He's like, "What the hell?" Um, you know, uh, I think John's gonna talk about it, but you know, it's just so happy to. I'm just so happy to see Doctor Who back in the in the world. Uh, because, you know, I don't want to live in a world where there's no Doctor Who uh, for for extended periods of time. The last thing, I, I thought about this because uh, not too long ago, a uh, friend of the show, Lauren Collins, came to visit. Uh, and one of the things that we were doing, what we found ourselves doing while just sort of sitting around after like hanging out during the day and just watching, I, I introduced her to my love of Masterpiece Theater. <laughs> And uh, we watched a couple of episodes. It was like shows like Grandchester and Annika and Unforgotten. Um, I introduced her oh to. Oh my God, Grandchester. Holy Grandchester. Shit. Love it. <laughs> love Hi, it. Grace Daddy. Hey, come for me. I don't care. I love it. Um, I know not what just it is. one. I clearly can't come yeah, for you. Yes. It's just like one. It's like not one, not, not just one hot priest, but two hot priests. Um, but it was so we were sitting here watching. I just love it. Most of them are mysteries. Uh, which is what I love about the shows. Uh, but uh, I introduced her to him. Next thing you know, she's like, I just, she calls me later. She's like, yeah, I learned that mom has a PBS <laughs> account. So I'm now on season two of Annika. I'm now on season four of Unforgotten. And she just watched all of them. So I gift that to all of you. If you want to watch some good mysteries out of the UK, uh, Masterpiece Theater. Amazing. Um, yeah. Last yes. thing that I really, really loved about 2023 
is Britney Spears letting them bitches have it. I'm sorry. Yes! <laughs> Say I love more, it. Aaron. Britney oh, yeah. Spears, let them bitches have it. The world is shook that they're just like, oh shit, is my name in that book? And if your name was in that book, go fuck yourself because you yeah. know what you did. Um, that was her, like that was her 13 reasons like tapes that was vicious loved it so yeah that's kind of where i was gonna go with this year is really just emotions and what sort of piqued my interest and what made me what allowed me to step away from reality and sort of exist in a different space and this is where i am that's my 2023 Woo. can we all talk about her errands like i don't have anything i've never made any notes i don't know what i'm talking about and then it's just i like, might not even come me, i might just leave it to you guys gold for just like 20 right? no the your chats strong with this one your chats were freaking me out i'm like are they doing are they writing a thesis is this like what is what is happening are there editors well, you notice who didn't say anything me and broadwin <laughs> who didn't even put anything in that shared file that supposedly existed and that i forgot about <laughs> I was just like, I, I don't know about this guy. They're like, I might be unprepared. I was looking at that chat. I'm like, uh, um. That was so good, Eric. Uh, so good. I was actually kind of pissed off because I was hoping you would be on Team Bronwyn and I in the chaos corner. But no, no, hey. you're not. You had to go yeah. and rock it out like a jerk face. There jerk. I am. <laughs> there it is. Whatever. I guess you did that. So fine. 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 Whatever. It's I'm fine. glad Whatever. to, uh, I'm glad to hear. You, you and Steven both mentioned GCPD, the blue wall, so many times. And mm-hmm. that's that's something that I'm like, why am I not so reading good. that book? It's I love the OG GCPD stuff. I love the characters. And hearing you guys talk about it and everything that the book seems to represent is is mm. uh, right up why I love that corner of, of the Batman stuff. So that's going on my... That's going on my must-read list for the next yeah. month for when we come back, for sure. So good. It's just such a good take on Gotham. Because um, you always ask the question, people always ask the question, what yeah. the hell is happening in the rest of Gotham when this dude is, like, what's what's happening when he's, like, with the Justice League and they're at the freaking source wall? Yeah. Something is happening somewhere yeah. in Gotham. Yeah. I love, Kite, man, this is Kite, man, Kite Man's running around thinking about gravity, you know? <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, the blue walls, like exploration of real life issues, mm-hmm. uh, especially stuff that's plaguing law enforcement, yep. the corruption within the system about how the wrong people fail upwards and basically yep. make life miserable for the public that they're meant to serve and protect. As Ridley, man, that's what Ridley does. He yeah. is exactly my point. Yep. He was, he, he finds a way to say, I know you all like to exist in this made up world of Metropolis or Gotham that is supposed to not exist in the world. But here, let me throw some shit in here from reality and yeah, and and mix it around for a little while. And John Ridley is interesting because I remember a couple of years ago when he kind of like broke into comics a little bit after being a screenwriter and he's, he's a filmmaker, you know, that's his, yeah. his thing. And the first couple of books that he did for DC felt more cinematic the pacing wasn't wasn't always there but now in the last like year and a half between gcpd black panther super uh uh uh, black panther and and um uh some of these other books it's like he gets it and he gets the storytelling flow Mm -hmm. he knows how to do issue by issue like it's it's really been a couple of great years for that it's also great to hear matt rosenberg wildcats you know i'm I'm a big rosenberg fan 
And uh, it's so fun. I'm going to tell you right now, that's a book I'm never going to read, but I love the (laughs) fact that you guys are reading it. And I love the fact that Matthew Rosenberg is still such a a go-to writer. um, It's so fun. It just makes no sense why that book is so fun. It just is, though. It's just these characters. Again, that goes back to what I was saying before. You have these Wildstorm characters that most people don't really have a relationship with like that. And they're just like, we'll do whatever the fuck we want with them. Yeah, yeah. And we'll make them crazy and zany. And they absolutely did. And it's just hysterical. Yeah. And PKJ. There he is. Yeah. yeah I, it's so funny. I met him before I started reading his stuff. Actually, I think I met him at AwesomeCon because I think, Steve, you want, you were reading something of his. And I remember I was like, oh, yeah, my co-host I, loves your stuff. Never read any of his stuff. Who's and this? Then I, uh, I was oh, it? Kennedy, Kennedy Johnson. Johnson. Oh, something. What was that? Whatever he. It was something. It was the high. It was the high fantasy thing. I can never remember the name. Oh, um. Oh God. The last. Um. Oh Jesus. I'll look it up. But yeah, I remember you were talking about it, and he was at Awesome Con here in DC, and I went and introduced myself to him and chatted with him for a little bit, and I like spoke on your behalf Uh about how much you loved that book, The Last God. That's That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, It's like it's like reading a D and D uh compendium. (laughs) It's 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 crazy it's, it's so, so dense yeah. it's so dense yeah, it's, it's so really dense. really dense yeah. but it's like i i had that conversation with him with no context of anything else he'd written and then i go I go and read his stuff and i'm like well shit he's actually a really good writer why yeah. <laughs> i probably should have read this before i walked up and introduced myself i and think talked about I, my stuff i think four of us all brought action comics to the table at four different times four like different times read, yeah yep. we all read it independently but we all felt compelled to bring it yep, yep. I've been uh, reading that in the weeks that I've been off the show for like maybe the last. That's what I was reading on the DC app before it started to get worse than it already was. Well, remember, I completely rejected it after reading The Authority. Uh, oh, I was just God. like, I was that just was like, Morrison. Yeah, exactly. I was just like, there's no freaking way I'm going into, I'm going to continue reading these characters after mm-hmm. this shit stain of a comic book. Anyway, <laughs> um, wow. but. You know, little did I know. That's being nice to that comic. It was bad. It was <laughs> it just was so bad. bad. It was so bad. So, yeah. But I was wrong. I ate the crow. Mm-hmm. Num, 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 num. So. Um, Sainted Love is, <laughs> if it wasn't going to be on your list, it was going to be on my list. I thought I was going to say Tainted Love. Anyway. <laughs> that book. Hey. Love. Love Do we know how long that is? Um, I do not know because I don't think it's. I feel like I saw it was six. Um, Those aftershock books are usually six. Well, like it's it's, like, it's fantastic. It's a, you get so much for your money. Like each issue has been at least fifty pages plus. Yeah, I think uh, that's the, Vault though. I think that's Vault Comics. Oh, is it Vault? Okay. I think it's Vault. Yeah. Go ahead, Super. Um, sorry. No, no, I just I I love it. I'm really glad that you turned me on to it and that I gave it a shot because it was just. I, I I cop to it right away. It's fun. It's it's hot. It's steamy, <laughs> and it's surprising. Like it's going in some really strange directions. The the end of the second issue. I won't say what happens, but like it's the kind of thing that has me saying like you know let's go like let's go yeah. and and you know visit it's, these other places and do these other things. It's, it's the gayest version of Jules Verne. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Uh, and then also uh gotta put one out or pour one out for strange academy finals Mm. that series overall that took our best uh overall comic 
one of these previous years and then finals, you know, kind of picked up the torch and ran with it for a little bit longer. And uh, I, that's one of those books that it makes me sad to know that there isn't any more of it, but I also don't want anybody else to do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I remember they did. They did. They did. And you know, second shit stain is all I'm going to say. It was not good. Done by somebody who never read the original, it felt like. It was not. It was supposed to be these crossovers. It was just Mm -hmm. not good. I remember. I I almost bought that, and then I held off to wait to see what your reaction was. And then I, when we did that episode, I was like, oh, don't do it. I only read one of them, and it was. I had to put it back down. It was so bad. I I tried. I read two, and I was just like, well, maybe they'll improve in the next issue. And Mm -hmm. I was like, god damn it, you got me. It's like, nope, (laughs) not not going back. But. You reminded yeah. me that I got to read uh, Queenie, the Godmother of Harlem. We've had that book for months, and I just I I forgot about it. It's really good. It's, yeah, it's, I'm gonna it's, add it's, that to my list of things to read. Uh, talk to me about Spider Man Two. Did you finish it? <laughs> I did that. Wait, oh my god! Wait, wait, wait! Come on. No, 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 no! On purpose. What? I walked away on purpose. I was just like. I'm enjoying this game so much. And I was literally finding myself at like two in the morning, like on a Thursday, like up, continuing to play and just like dragging things out. The first Spider-Man games, I remember after they were done, especially the second one, because it was so, it was, it seemed so much shorter. Um, the Miles Morales Spider-Man, rather. It just seemed so much shorter. And I just remember being like, well, fuck, what now? And I remember just like going back in and just because I was like jonesing for it, like just continuing to do more missions and just like randomly like beating up thugs around the city, even though everything was done. So I was like, nope, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to step away from this and then I'm going to come back to it and read it because I just didn't want it to end. Where are you in the story? I think I am, Rob, if I remember my last check, I think I'm probably like 60 to 70, 70%, I think 70% through the story. Well, it says 70% complete, I think. So where was I? Have you gotten they, to the Venom they, stuff yet? They've killed. Yeah, they, oh, they, well, I don't know. Spoilers. Is anyone else? Spoilers. Gonna, gonna, well, let's just say our, our, our furry friend is no more. Uh, okay. And uh, so it's a ways past that. It's, it's a, it's a ways past that. And yes, we are beyond the, the Venom stuff. Okay. Oh, that's so yeah. Because there's a I, lot of it, but there's I got, a lot more than you'd expect. Because I got there and I'm just like, I just, I don't want to finish this. And I was getting nervous. I was like, it's getting too close. So, but I did see there's some games coming out that I'm like, oh, I'm actually when I want to play those. So I might have to finish this so I can go play those games now. But anyway, yeah, I like the slow burn. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I, I, I'm the opposite of quickies. I like to take my time. And make it count. Oh, Aaron's into edging. You heard it here hey, first. <laughs> make it count. <laughs> this is the second episode. I mean, I guess there was an episode between, but we talked about Aaron edging in the one we just did. Well, no, it was actually John edging. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> actually, like I was John just a was victim. edging Aaron. That's true. I was just a victim. But didn't you enjoy it? Didn't you? Oh, you know, I finished, so I don't care. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> so, uh, so. <laughs> You got me uh, wanting to check out that Castlevania stuff on Netflix sometime uh, down the road. I actually went through a bunch of our games uh, here in the office and found pretty much every Castlevania game for the Nintendo DS, the regular, I all like all of them, all from the past, like maybe two decades 
Uh, we have a nice little Castlevania collection in here. And uh, I got a couple of tools and stuff that I'm going to start ripping open some of our old systems and cleaning them out and hooking them up and stuff so that I could uh, maybe play some of those. This is a one time where I think a show adaptation might make me go back and want to play the game. I've never played a single game of of, of Castlevania, but it make, might make me want to figure out how to play. Because Steve <laughs> because... doesn't have enough games to play on the 85 systems we already have hooked up. Wow. Bronwyn just got me Baldur's Gate 3 for Christmas. I am Didn't so Didn't that just win like excited. Game of the Year or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it did. Because I was watching that video, that YouTube video of the guy, the Spider-Man 2 creators. He's just like, come on, say it. Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 2. And he's like, Baldur's Gate. Was it Timothy Salamay? It's like, yes. Baldur's 2. Spider-Man he, 2 did get the game at the awards. It didn't win. It was nominated seven times. It didn't win anything. Um, I think it should have won Best Action Game, but... That's that's just my opinion. Steve, I'm going to need a lot of Baldur's Gate 3 updates. I want to know who you romance. I oh, Bronwyn's going to be playing it with me. She'll she'll give you the I mean, updates. Obviously, oh, yeah. Bronwyn's going to tell me. I don't have to ask Bronwyn to tell me. You're the one wild card here. Bronwyn's going to send me screenshots. I'm mm-hmm. asking you to update me. <laughs> you just want me to bend the bear over. I want oh, you. Wow. I want you to go after. Are we that, talking about that, Sainted Love again? I'm, I want you to go after <laughs> that. Uh, Sainted Love cross with. Fair go after that albino <laughs> elf twink that's hard to romance because apparently he's like the greatest challenge. God, Ooh. we have to finish Alan Wake too. We have, we have, we can't start. I would love to start it today, but we can't. Fine, okay, Bronwyn, you go after the albino twink. Romance him for me. I will never be able to play this game. Okay, albino twink, it is. Thank we'll you. do more than one playthrough. We could even like throw you onto the the <laughs> camera like, and set you up We will do more than one twink. I promise. <laughs> you know what? We'll I have the little table. We'll set up the laptop. <laughs> I already set you play. up a line of twinks, Aaron. <laughs> if I had a nickel, let me tell you. Mm. We'll twitch it. We'll go on okay. Twitch so you could watch the, the playthroughs. Yeah. You do yeah. a Twitch. Oh, I'll be sitting there and go like, no, you need to romance it this way. <laughs> awesome. Uh, That's anybody not else? how you pick up an albino elf. Come on. <laughs> You're in charge. Uh, the two of you are in charge of our uh, fanfic. <laughs> Does anybody here have anything they want to say about uh, Aaron's presentation Abs- picks? Abs- absolutely. Aaron, on spoiler warnings, please. <laughs> on, on Moon Girl, am I going to not want to watch any of it? If no. I no, 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 no. You are going to. No, no, no. You are going to love it. It's okay. It's not a terrible ending. Like, how dare they do that? It's wow. They really ramped up that suspense. And I'm really, really anxious to see what happens next. Okay. Um, All right. The the character, the characters learn something and then come into their own because of that. Um, and it's just a big ending, but it's a cliffhanger. Okay. And so that's uh, what I, I, was I don't mind. About. I don't mind cliffhanger. It was something horrid. I was I didn't want to invest the time and emotion and then, to having my heart broken. I will say there's no there's no photographic evidence of this, but there might have been a tear shed or something like that. I'm just saying mm-hmm. it, there mm-hmm. was there was there was stuff. And again, my phone was blowing up after our Eisner Award winner friend did <laughs> that. One. She's just like, "What the?" I'm like, "Yeah, I know. It's it's a lot." But Bob, you will it will it it follows exactly where the types of decisions you want the characters to make they are the 
they are owning who we want them to be, uh, while at the same time being incredibly funny still. Just, I got to be honest with you. I'm telling you, they they have figured out, what's his name? Um, God, why can't I figure his, remember his name? Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne, right. Lawrence Fishburne, first of all, as the Beyonder, is just Hysterical. the best thing ever. <laughs> the best thing. It's like, he's like sinister level, like camp and hysteria. Yeah. Uh, but just being behind this character and loving East New York, uh, yeah, lo- loving Lower East Side and just loving, you know, Lunella and that family. And it's just, it, it's such a good, I, I am constantly like looking and saying, when's the next one coming out? When is it coming out? When is it coming out? Which is again, why I'm so irritated sometimes with this whole binge society, because you put everything out and then we have to wait 12 years for the next version, you know, to come out. And I'm like, okay, I'm in early retirement now because, you know, I, I got to ask my nurse's aide to come help me turn the television on. It's just, it, it annoys me because when shows are that good, you shouldn't make people, again, I, those on the show are younger, but I grew up in a space where the longest you had to wait for the end of a cliffhanger was the summer, you know, mm-hmm. and, and at the end of the summer in the early fall, all your questions were answered. Back in my day. <laughs> exactly. The Monday after Labor Day was three years younger than TV. you. When, when I had to walk, you know, six miles in the snow to school. Uphill both ways, no shoes. Exactly. <laughs> hey, no Lincoln shoes. used to take my birthday off. That's how old I am. Yes. Wow. Oh, my God, Bob. That's amazing. <laughs> so, but, I, yeah, I, Bob, you'll, I think you'll love it. I really, really cool. do. And one final thing, if you can, really quickly, and no spoilers, can you catch me up on X Men? <laughs> <laughs> it's Sorry. later that day. Later that so meanwhile, <laughs> what's happening, John? Who? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, the X Men. Okay, buckle up. They're no. fucked again. No, no, Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, Doctor Who. I'm going to talk about it in mind. I, I, yeah, I know. yeah. So it is. And the answer it to your like question old, is yes. It is old friends coming home. No, the answer, to your, the answer to your question in email is yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes, Ooh, absolutely. Collusion. Collusion. Are there two no. of them now? The specials? There's three. Three now. Well, there's I three the third in one. total, but are they all out? Yeah, the they're, last yeah. one came out yesterday. I haven't yes, watched oh, it nice. yet, but that's my later today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I ended up they went, going yeah, to every week. It's like having no Doctor Who and then having all the Doctor Who. Oh. And they've been so good, but yes. I'll wait for John to go. Just yep. go. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yep. Never mind. Never mind. And we shall. Next episode. Dun, dun, dun. Nice. Steven? What? <laughs> what? It's your turn. <laughs> I was throwing it to you. It's that called was such a, a segue. Voice. Present? That was amazing. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Here. I'm here. Present? <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess it is my turn, isn't it? Let me, uh, let me get my notes up here, man. All right. We're going to be winging a lot of this and then maybe I'll have a little, uh, little speech or explainer at the end. Oh boy. Where to start? I'm going to start with some comic books. These are some of the comic books. I know. Shocking, right? These are some of the comic books that I really loved and appreciated this year. Bob mentioned it uh, previous episode, 
But Danger and Other Unknown Risks, this is a graphic novel written by Ryan North with art by Erica Henderson. Uh, I'm going to read you a quick little blurb in case you need a reminder of what this is about. Here's the deal. On midnight of January 1st, 2000, the world ended, but it uh, was technology that killed it. It was not... Fuck. Hold on. Start again. I'm going to start again. Here's the deal. On midnight of January 1st, 2000, the world ended, but it wasn't technology that killed it. It was magic. Now, years later, the Earth has transformed. Magic works, sort of. People are happy, sort of. But this new world isn't stable, and unless Marguerite de Pruitt and her canine pal Daisy do something about it, it'll tilt into deadly chaos. Good thing they've brought uh, along their training. Uh, They've been training their whole lives for this and are destined to succeed, or so they think. Now, my memory of the particulars of why I love this book are a little fuzzy, but I did write some notes for myself. I remember loving this book's distribution of story elements, especially North and Henderson know how to layer information in a way that immediately pulls me into their worlds, and the art isn't half bad either. Uh, I also recall being devastated by the finale, which I will not spoil here, but suffice it to say, all is not what it seems regarding Marguerite's mission, uh, and the reality of what she's doing and why could shock you. I remember shaking my fist a lot and being uh, very angry and saying to myself, I can't wait for Bob to read this because I know that he's going to have big feelings toward this story. Um, This book kind of came out of nowhere for me. I didn't really know or had maybe forgotten that it was coming out, and then it it arrived at a time where I really needed it, and uh, I enjoyed every page of it. So that's Danger and Other Unknown Risks. Uh, Aaron talked a little bit about the GCPD, the Blue Wall. Uh, Just want to echo again how incredible that story and that series is. I love the gritty art. Uh, It's my favorite Batman-adjacent thing that I've read probably since Gotham Central. I think it's a great companion series to that incredible uh, run, and I highly recommend that you go and check it out. Hungry Ghost, another original graphic novel created by Victoria Ying. So Hungry Ghost is the revealing story of Valerie Chu. She's a quiet, studious young woman contending with an eating disorder. Now, I've talked on this podcast before, uh, but when I was in high school, I weighed about 80 pounds due to complications from Crohn's disease. It was a very cruel period of my life when, despite having friends, I often felt very alone and uncomfortable in my own skin. Hungry Ghost took me back to that time, but it also helped me come to grips with some lingering aspects of those difficult years. Uh, I said this on the podcast earlier this year, uh, though I think maybe it bears repeating. I love stories where I feel like the creator is letting me see their vulnerable side. Uh, I read a lot of comics for entertainment value, but it's the ones that prompt me to form a connection with the creator that really stand out among the crowd. And Hungry Ghost was one of those books for me. Um, I was looking forward to it, did not really know what it was and wasn't expecting it to take me kind of on this uh, journey back into the day and maybe make peace with some things. So definitely a highlight out of the year for me. Uh, I Hate Fairyland, 3 through 10, that came out this year, written by Scotty Young with art by Brett Bean. Scotty Young's return to Fairyland has been my warm hug throughout 2023. 
The story constantly evolves. It offers plenty of surprises and taps into my undying love of cartoonish violence and twisted fairy tale worlds. There have been many Steve books throughout the past decade and change, but I Hate Fairyland hits differently for me. There's always something new to see, oddball characters to meet, clever twists that make what happens in Gert's journey very unpredictable. Uh, additionally, it's the only story I've read this year featuring a main character getting killed by another version of themselves, then replaced with the killer to complete a wicked loop of storytelling. Uh, I had been on the podcast saying about how the one thing that was kind of getting to me with the new, with like the I Hate Fairyland reboot was following the older Gert. And then literally in the next issue, they kill that one off and replace it with the one that I love. That was a huge comic book moment uh, for me in 2023. I was flabbergasted and just so in love with that series and seeing that they still got plenty of ideas in the tank for it. Um, I'm really, really loved. I hate fairyland this year. Immortal Sergeant. Immortal Sergeants one through nine written by Joe Kelly with art by Ken Nomura. So after bouncing off Immortal Sergeant, not once, but twice, I finally found my footing during a third attempt, and I'm glad that I kept coming back for more. Uh, while not as powerful as I Kill Giants, Immortal Sergeant finds its strength in building the relationship between an anxiety-ridden game developer named Michael and his hard-as-nails newly retired father, Jim the Sarge Sergeant. So when Michael joins Sarge on his quest to close one final case, the dysfunctional duo breaks the barriers of their strained relationship, uh, letting confessions and understanding guide them toward tolerating and maybe even loving one another. Immortal Sergeant is a great lesson in not judging an entire series based on an issue or two. If I had given up in those first two issues, I never would have gotten to the part of Immortal Sergeant that becomes one of my favorite books of the year. Uh, it will not be for everyone, but Kelly and Nomura's creative chemistry is undeniable on this title. Uh, I hope that I don't have to wait 15 more years for them to collaborate again and dole out another emotionally charged and surprising story. Next up on my list is Know Your Station, number one through five, written by Sarah Gailey, art by Liana Kangas, colors by Rebecca Nulty, and letters by Cardinal Ray. Let's understand something quick. The series tagline is hunt the rich in space. Do yeah. I need to say more? No. Okay. The wealthiest people in the solar in. system. <laughs> What's that? I'm in. <laughs> okay. Well, listen to this. This might, this might even get you some more. The wealthiest people in the solar system abandoned the earth for a private sanctuary in space, leaving the rest of us to die amidst cataclysmic climate change. But the 1% won't be safe for long. A murderer is on the loose, specifically targeting the super rich. Soon, Elsie, an employee of the billionaire's space station, is wrapped up in a deadly investigation with each new issue featuring a new diabolically different kill. The kills in this series are nuts. Like they're not they're not for the for the the faint of heart. So if we were still doing the Talking Comics Awards old school style, this is another title uh that I'll that there's another title I'll talk about shortly for best overall comic of the year. Know Your Station is one of those nominees for me. 
It is biting. It is sinister. It is unafraid to rattle the cages of people who think they deserve better than you or anyone else. It's super queer. It deals in sci-fi extremes and includes some of, like I said, some of the best kills uh, out of anything I've read this year and social commentary that is just hardcore at times. Really, really love it. Uh, I love the complicated friendships in this story and the deception and disorientation as our protagonist battles withdrawal while trying to solve a mystery. It's a hard-boiled detective story with the 1% finding out that they're no longer in charge the hard way. So after reading Eat the Rich and Know Your Station, Sarah Gailey is quickly rising to the top of my list of creators to watch in 2024. There's a wickedness and bravery to their work that I simply adore. And I had an absolute blast with Know Your Station. I could not recommend it enough. It's awesome. Uh, Parker Girls, numbers 1 through 10, created by Terry Moore. So when Piper May's lifeless body washes up on Venice Beach, the nation mourns the loss of a popular actress. Police suspect her death was no accident, but May's husband, Zachary May, has the best lawyers money can buy, and the investigation stalls. That's when Tambi Baker decides to take matters into her own hands and enlist three of the finest Parker Girl operatives to bring the May Empire down one shocking scandal at a time. Listen, folks, it's Terry Moore. It's clever and deadly super spy women and one that could bench press a truck. What more could I possibly want? Everything you love about Moore's work is here in Parker Girls. It's funny, it's brutal, smart, and a reminder that Moore is a master of characters, vibes, and attitude. Absolutely love it. You don't really need to read anything else. Uh, if you have a, a slight knowledge of Strangers in Paradise, that'll help. But again, you really don't need it. Terry Moore is really good at welcoming in new readers with each uh, new project that he introduces, even if it's existing characters from other universes. Next on my list is Plush. Numbers two through six came out this year, created by Doug Wagner and Daniel Hilliard. What is your fursona? Plush is a disturbing story about Devin Fulcher, who is coerced into attending his first furry convention. When he accidentally happens upon a group of furries devouring a human, the insanity begins. Do they just want Devin for dinner, or are they about to teach him a thing or two about identity, love, and never settling for less than your worth? Plush is an ultra-violent roller coaster of, of, of furry serial killers, lunatic cops, and shootouts inside a precinct that rivals the best part of James Wan's Malignant. If you've seen it, you've seen it. Uh, plush will not be for everyone, but if you sift through the blood and guts, you'll find a bizarrely sweet story about finding love in unlikely places and when to stand your ground against people that are trying to keep you from living the life that you want to live. Don't listen to those people. Uh, rare flavors. Joey mentioned this during his presentation numbers one and two written by Ram V and art by Felipe Andrade. Allow me to reintroduce my other favorite comic book series of the year. Uh, meet Ru uh, Ruben Bosk, a demonic Roshaska with a down-to-earth dream of becoming the next Anthony Bourdain. To make his dream come true, Ruben enlists Mo, a down-on-his-luck filmmaker, to document the world-renowned cuisine of India and the people behind the glorious, flavorful food. But little does Mo know that there's more to Ruben than meets the eye, and the mortals play a darker role in the show that they were than they were prepared for. I've never felt like I could 
taste a comic until I read Rare Flavors. It's intellectually stimulating, drop-dead gorgeous, and peppered with dark delights. Mo and Ruben's journey is just beginning, and this book has given me so much already. I kind of can't get over it. Ron V's writing is superb as he explores Mo and Ruben's relationship, cultures from across the globe, and dishes so precious you'd think they were only reserved for the gods. Uh, the creative duo's previous series, The Many Deaths of Layla Star, is still one of my all-time favorites, and Rare Flavors is serving up everything that makes their chemistry shine, and I can't wait for the next course. All right, enough with the food buns. Uh, something is Killing the Children. Season the season. <laughs> season the season. <laughs> Something is Killing the Children, 21 through 34, written by James Tynan IV with art by Werther Deladera. Something is Killing the Children continues to be a must read for me. The series makes me angry that I don't have more pages to read when I'm done reading it. Uh, time goes by in the blink of an eye because I tear through each issue so fast, and the world uh, that Tynan's created only gets bigger and better. The um the arc that stands out for this year involves Erica hunting a deadly doppelganger called a Duplicitype. Uh, though she might make a few new enemies before the mission ends, I'm consistently impressed with how something is killing the children maintains an engaging momentum. And the world building is extremely impressive. There are so many spin-off series at this point. I kind of lose track of them after a while. Uh even with several spinoffs to read, I hope that the core series continues for a few more years because Erica is still my favorite character in the series, and I don't think that she's done killing monsters just yet. Speaking of monsters, going into uh, something that Joey touched on during his presentation, Where Monsters Lie, numbers one through four, uh, Kyle Starks, P Peter Kowalski, and Vladimir Popov. This is just an amazing series about Wilmhurst, which is a gated community in the middle of nowhere where slashers can go to relax before their next killing spree. Uh, and one of their victims escapes and leads the cops right to their door. The whole community does what they do best as cops and slashers alike try to survive the onslaught. This series is positively ridiculous. It's funny as hell uh, and doesn't outstay its welcome at only four issues of fun, blood and guts. Uh, I don't believe in guilty pleasures, but if I did, this would definitely fall into that category. I mentioned Blades of Furry during uh, Bob's uh, presentation last episode. This is Dea Munez and Emily Erdos. Just an incredible story, kind of like Zootopia meets Blades of Fury, that uh, movie with Will Ferrell and uh, what's-his-face from Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, oh my God! What is his name? John Heater. John Heater. Blades of Glory. Yes. Wonderful movie. High art. <laughs> Blades of no Glory is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I don't know where it stands. If it's coming back, if it's taking a break, but um, just a delight. The second that I picked it up, I could not stop reading it. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Webtoon was a huge part of my 2023 with. You know, Chris and Bronwyn bringing so much Webtoon stuff to the table. I had to check it out for myself. And you're welcome. I I think I might have spent more time in Webtoon than I did um, like mainstream and indie comics this year. Join us. Pretender. <laughs> so um, I'm not going to go into to too many specifics about these because I've talked a lot about these series, especially recently. But um, Death, uh, Death of a Pop Star from Violet Carey. 
on Webtoon is absolutely hysterical and stupendous. Um, still making my way through that one. Absolutely love it. Everything is fine. Season two from Mike Burchall is almost as good as the first season, but still shows so much promise. I'm dying for that to be turned into an animated series. Maybe Netflix could pick it up or someone else. Um, leaving money on the table, folks. Let's get it done. Night Owls and Summer Skies, 1 through 50, uh, by T. Kill and Rebecca Sullivan. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, we're going to have words about this one. <laughs> this is so good. Yeah, Night Owls and Summer Skies is a summer camp romance, queer summer camp romance, that, oh my God, I, I became so invested in these characters, particularly the main character's journey, um, the defiance going on toward the end of the series. Did you finish it, Roman? <laughs> of course I did. Yes. <laughs> I was like, so have then, you met your wife? Of course she finished it. She finished well, it in 10 the, seconds. The, they they were, the they last episodes were blocked behind a paywall, so. Yeah. I paid. <laughs> I was going to say, Broadway definitely paid for it. I definitely paid for it. Man. I, I loved this. This was one of the few webtoons that I, I, I actively checked in each week to see if there were new episodes because I was just dying for more. Uh, this is the series that kind of taught me about the power of the handhold and how much drama we need to go through just to get to that point in characters relationships. It's a huge moment. And um, night owls and summer skies is just an absolute delight. It's based on an, on a, on a book. So it's more of an adaptation, but it will give you the feels uh, I loved every page of this series. Uh, another one that I'll mention is The Guy Upstairs from Hansa Art. The Guy Upstairs is a serial killer thriller about someone who lives beneath a serial killer, witnesses one of their murders, and then is basically trying to convince everyone around them that they're guilty of being a, a serial killer. And because he is so good at what he does, he's got everyone fooled including me where I don't know what kind of research was done uh, by Hansa art for this series, but this is somebody who understands the way that a serial killer's mind works in terms of them being a, the charismatic type serial killer where they can lull you into a false sense of security. There was a, a uh, whole period throughout the like later end of where they are in the series now, where I was really starting to think that maybe this person had turned over a new leaf or maybe their latest target is making them see the error of their ways. I mean, it's kind of too late. They've killed a lot of people, but maybe, maybe, you know, they're going a different way. They are not. They are not going a different way. I love that there were you were aiming for a redemption arc for somebody who's you know killed a lot of people, but yeah, it's okay, well, you know, this well, you one never makes know. them have like, some it's feels. Look, comics, people are murdered all the time. Webtoon has shown me many things. This was not out of the realm of possibilities. You yeah, never know. Like, it could be a meet cute. True. No, nope, this is a thousand like, percent true. You say that like you and I don't read monster fuckers on the regular. <laughs> oh yeah, no, one hundred percent. But those monsters are always good guys. Are so, you only murder people who deserve it. These people did not deserve it. <laughs> not at all. So uh, that's the guy upstairs. I could probably say more about it, but I really honestly hope that you read it. It is sinister and very smartly written. Uh, I loved it. 
There's a new thing that I'm reading and I got to do some research. I think there might be an anime for this that I will absolutely have to watch called You've Gotta Be Kitten Me. And uh, this is about cats that have become people and have been a part of society for something like 30 years. And there is interspecies relationships going on, but they are still cats in the relationship. It is a humor and romance uh, webtoon, and I positively adore it. The artwork is a little cheesecake, but not too much. I have had a lot of fun with this series. I, Like I said, I want to do some research and see if maybe there's an anime out there. Uh, I heard something on a podcast the other day. I'm going to go check it out. Uh, and the other thing that I really enjoyed, I must have because I read 189 episodes of it, was Zomcom from uh, M-E-M-G yes. on Webtoon. Just absolutely incredible. Oh, by the way, uh, You've Got to Be Kidding Me is from B-R on uh, it's B-E-A and then R uh, on Webtoon. Uh, Zomcom is just a riot. If you love cryptids, if you love classic monsters, this is a kind of get in, get out, uh, only a couple of pages worth or a couple of scrolls worth comic uh, that constantly delivers really funny monster humor. Uh, and I I adored it. I fell right into it. It was really easy to just burn through those 189 episodes. And there's even more. I got to go back and check in on it and see what I've missed. But yeah, Webtoon was a massive, massive part of my 2023. When in a year when Comixology is kind of on the outs Kindle is doing its own thing. My DC Universe is not working. Webtoon was a reliable, free-ish resource for really, really incredible comics. Like I said, Webtoon gave me that place where I could go and kind of check in on my stories. Uh, it was a comfort zone for me throughout 2023. And I'm really, really glad that, uh, you know, Chris and Bronwyn pushing it so much and it being so much a part of their reading and being a big part of, you know, mine and Bronwyn's house. We discuss web uh, webtoons all the time. It's um, it's nice to have finally arrived in webtoon land. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I can't, can't recommend that you, you tap that resource enough because it's right there and, and there's so much good stuff and um, yeah, moving on going to mention a couple of movies that I really enjoyed. And so what I did for my next couple of topics is I created lists of all the stuff that I enjoyed, but then I created top fives uh, that are ranked. So I'm going to go from the bottom to the top and I'll let you know when I'm going to get to my top five. So movies that I really enjoyed throughout the year, uh, Scream 6, I thought was a ton of fun. It's a, it's a real shame to hear what cut, what is going on in the background of seven and that they might be losing uh, the core four for the next, uh, you know, chapter of that franchise. But what can you do? We'll always have uh, these last two movies to look back on uh, mission impossible dead reckoning part one. What a blast. Like these movies are consistently fun. They're over the top. Uh, and this was like, kind of the Mission Impossible movie that was borderline fast and furious because this movie does not take itself seriously in any way, shape or form. Uh, if you need an example, just look at the car chase with um, Haley Atwell and Tom Cruise. That entire scene 
was so ridiculous. I loved every minute of it. Uh, really enjoyed the Marvels this year. Spectacular movie. Love seeing Iman Vellani on the screen. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves was kind of an unexpected gem of the year. Had tons of fun with that. Uh, Cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear was a part of 2023. Absolutely loved it. That was uh, one of year. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. It's It's been a long year. Uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to go this week instead of last week is because there were a few embargoed things that I wanted to mention. Uh, but just this past weekend, I had the pleasure of doing some interviews for the Chicken Run, the long-awaited Ardman Chicken Run sequel, Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. This movie is spectacular. If you're at all a fan of the original Chicken Run, you need to watch the sequel. It is so worthy of that name, of that legacy. It is so, so good. It is so much larger in scope than the original, but it all works. There's some really great character work here. Fantastic animation, great story. And oh my God, the the chase sequences and the villains in this were just incredible. Um, I'll have a couple of interviews going up for this movie over the next week or so. So definitely check that out. Uh, Blue Beetle, we mentioned on one of the other presentations, I think during Joey's, this was a delight. This is the the DC movie that didn't get enough love, whether it was because people were shitty or the uh, Hollywood shutdown, this movie really got the short end of the stick. And it's such a shame uh, that that happened because it's one of DC's best movies overall, in my opinion. And I really hope that uh, there's more love for this character going forward. So here are my top five favorite movies of 2023, going from the bottom to the top. Bottom row, Super Mario Brothers movie. Say what you will about Chris Pratt voicing Mario. This was just almost, I would say almost everything that I've ever wanted a Super Mario Brothers movie to be. I loved Jack Black as Bowser, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy as Princess Peach. Just seeing that world realized in the quality that we're able to do these CGI animated movies now was everything. For me, I went, I think I went and I saw that by myself in the theaters. I loved every minute of it. I was so stoked when I came home to describe it to Bronwyn. Um, other favorite movies on my list, uh, Hayao Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli's The Boy and the Heron. I talked about this a little while ago. I think this is one of Miyazaki's headiest movies to date. It's trippy as hell. It'll tug on your heartstrings. This was supposed to be his last film. It no longer is. But if this was going to be his swan song, it would have been a hell of a finale for a legendary creator in the animated space. Uh, See the Boy and the Heron. There's a, a wonderful English dub that was released in theaters this past weekend. It's phenomenal. Cannot recommend it enough. My third favorite movie of 2023, Nimona. Nimona on Netflix Cannot say I gave, I reviewed this for Joe Blow. I gave it a 10 out of 10. I think not only is this one of the best movies of the year, but it's one of the best animated films probably ever made. Uh, I love the bold approach that different studios are taking to animation in 2023. There is a wide variety of ways that animation can be represented. We see a lot of that in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. 
uh, and other titles, but man, animation is often like an unsung medium when it's not something like Disney or it's not a frozen or something like that. And you can see how those movies are performing this year. Um, you got to think outside of the box. You got to think outside of the box. You got to make things look different or you at least need to do something new with an existing style and make it your own. Uh, the performances, the adaptation of story, the characters, everything about Nimona was so worthy of a book that's meant a lot to this podcast over the years. And, you know, just like the I Kill Giants adaptation, it takes that original story and does something a little bit new with it and adds uh, new elements to it that make it its own thing. So it's worth reading the book and it's worth watching the movie as well. Uh, we talked a little bit about Barbie. Barbie is my second favorite movie of the year. Bronwyn and I had a very emotional time at the movies when we saw that. <laughs> oh, this girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Many tears were so shed. Good. Feelings were felt. I loved Weird Barbie so much. Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling both. I mean, so many amazing performances. America Ferreira in this film is spectacular. I love the bubblegum uh, Barbie aesthetic to everything. The set designs, the costume designs. There's so many different aspects of this movie that is a great example of why I love watching movies. Uh, I thought Barbie was spectacular. And no surprise here, I said it earlier in the year, I'll say it again, my favorite movie of the year by far is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I am an animation junkie. Into the Spider-Verse was also one of my favorite uh, animated films of all time. Across the Spider-Verse might overtake it as my favorite. I just adored this movie from beginning to end. I loved all the Spider-Gwen stuff. I loved how they managed to take a animation style that was so fresh at the time. And now, you know, a lot of people are aping it and doing their own things with it, which I celebrate and, and want to see more of, but how this movie managed to top itself visually by thinking of even more ways to present this story and these characters. I was positively blown away when I saw this movie in theaters. Um, I can't wait to watch it again. It's spectacular. It's my favorite movie of the year. Uh, the only TV show that I, I want to mention, we really enjoyed the fall, uh, fall of the House of Usher, but there's something that I'm watching right now for work that will be out by the time this podcast comes out. So if you haven't checked it out yet, this is uh, going down on Netflix. It's a 10-episode, I guess, limited series called Carol and the End of the World. This is a series about a woman who people basically the entire world there's another planet in the sky headed toward earth everybody has less than eight months to live people have decided to throw caution to the wind nobody's working nobody's paying bills nobody's doing anything except living their dream with the exception of carol carol has always kind of been uncomfortable in the world and she hasn't been able to let go like everyone else and kind of live her final months the way that she wants to. She needs that routine. She just cannot be there with everybody else mentally, physically. She's not feeling it. But her thing is, is that she doesn't want to die before she's been able to taste life. And so through her journey of trying to figure out how to get that done, 
she meets other people who are also struggling with the world coming to an end in their own way. And this is an animated series that despite being funny and despite being a little crude, absolutely takes itself very seriously. And so it feels like you're watching a drama about the apocalypse, but it's animated. And you meet these different personalities and these different people who cannot let go. There's one guy whose wife left him when the news broke about the planet headed toward Earth, left him and their son. And he's trying to find somebody to love because he doesn't want to die alone when the planet comes. Carol's just trying to figure things out. Another woman has spent her entire life raising her family, raising her five kids, working her ass off to have her retirement. But now she realizes that the world is ending and the retirement that she thought was going to be the thing that she was going to move on and do all the things she ever dreamed of, that time is being cut short. So how do you make the most of the time that you have left, especially when everyone else has seemingly moved on and left you behind? And so Carol in the End of the World explores a whole bunch of these different people and different personalities. And how do you make the most out of what you have left? And who do you choose to spend that time with? Who do you give your love to? It's an absolutely spectacular, spectacular series. Um, it'll be on Netflix all at once. I highly recommend that you check it out. Uh, it's one of the most impressive animations that I've seen in a long, long time. All right, moving on. Video games. Going to go through some video games that I love, then I'll give you my quick top five. I'm not going to go into too much detail. I'm just going to rattle these off. Uh, games that I enjoyed. Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Resident Evil 4 Remake. Making my way through that now, just as good as I remember it. I I showed Bronwyn over the weekend. We have multiple versions of that game in physical copies, whether it's for the Wii, whether it's for the, the PlayStation, whatever. Love that game so much. Uh, the update is spectacular. Go and play it. Mortal Kombat 1. Really enjoy the story mode a lot. Merge Cooking is this stupid mobile game that I played for most of the year. It's just merging food and making recipes. I fell really hard for it. Never spent a dime on it, I'm proud to say. Uh, really had a good time with that. Hi-Fi Rush came out in January of this year. This was a uh, rhythm-based platforming fighting game that uh, just took me took everybody by surprise. It was shadow dropped earlier this year and has some of the best animation and character work that I've seen in video games in 2023, a year that was positively just ridiculous for this medium. Uh, another thing that I loved was Fortnite. I got really into Fortnite last year. 2023 was an even bigger year uh, for this game for me. It's a game that I use to connect with family and friends. Uh, it's endlessly entertaining when I think of taking these people out across the world. Um, I love admiring getting killed myself in the game and kind of seeing the back and forth uh, little stories and dialogue that I develop with perfect strangers. Uh, I dip into it every now and again and always have a blast. Dredge was another game that I loved. The Dead Cells Return to Castlevania DLC. Cocoon, uh, this really imaginative puzzle game that came out a couple months ago. Chance of Sonar. Uh, I'll let Bronwyn talk a little bit more about that when uh, she does her presentation. Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon. This is the latest game from the people that did Elden Ring software. Uh, the Softworks Studios? I might be getting that wrong. Um, 
just incredible. I've only scratched the surface with it, only played the first mission, but man, I can't wait to get back to it. My top five for the year, bottom to the top, Diablo 4 uh, coming in at number five. Absolutely love Diablo. Uh, Bronwyn and I, this is our bonding game. This is the game that helped bring us together and helped, you know, kind of lay the foundation of our relationship when we were living uh, long distance. Uh, Diablo helped keep us together, keep us laughing, uh, asking questions about one another. And then, of course, you know, all the good things that have come from those uh, meetings up in New Tristram. Diablo 4, I think, is a spectacular effort on Blizzard's part. I do enjoy a lot of aspects of the new game, but I do think that it's only kind of halfway there yet. I want to give them more time. It is a live service game that is constantly evolving, and I think it will get there, but I'm I'm waiting for them to make a few more tweaks to the game. I feel like there's some things missing, uh, but overall, love having that world back and those characters and building new things. Uh, and it's a game that Bronwyn and I get to play together on the couch, and I really enjoy spending that time with her always. Uh, Alan Wake 2 is number four on my list. Still making our way through it. Super atmospheric, little scary, very Stephen King, very Twin Peaks. So weird and had genuinely the scariest moment in video games that I've come across in 2023, very early on in the game. Uh, there's something very visually striking and haunting about this game uh, that it just it knows how to change its atmosphere on a dime. And I love it. I can't wait to see the rest of it. There's uh, still lots that we have to go. Number three on my list is Pikmin 4. Uh, this is, a, a course, from Nintendo. It's the best Pikmin game. I don't need to say anything else. I've loved this series for years and years and years, decades even. Pikmin 4 is the best one. Go play it. Spider-Man 2 is my number two game of the year. I did change my list from last night, Bronwyn. I know you're kind of like, what? Um, <laughs> Spider-Man Spider 2, I platinum this game. I enjoyed every minute of this thing. I loved the story. I loved the character work here, the action. This is the game that when I play it and I look at how seamlessly the action is executed, I cannot believe that in the time that I've been playing video games since Intellivision and ColecoVision and otherwise, that this is where we're at in the video game space. It is a testament to the technological prowess of these systems and these developers and these people that work their asses off to make these games for us to play. And there is no better way to feel like your Spider-Man than playing Spider-Man 2 on the PlayStation 5. It's the best one that they've done yet. It's fantastic. Uh, and finally, what's that? That's why you got to take your time, baby boy. You got to slow down. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I needed. I needed more. I needed more. Uh, my number one game of the year. I was kind of going back and forth between Spider-Man Two and The Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. The only reason that I didn't put it at number one at first was because I didn't finish it. But I was like, yeah, that's not a that's not a reason not to put it at number one. Um, man, just that world. Hyrule is a, is a world of endless possibilities. I, I love all the new mechanics. I, I love bonding with our friend Jill over that game and kind of nerding out together, uh, when we play it 
And there's still so much. You want to talk about a game where there's so much more of it left and I'm kind of savoring it. I still haven't beaten Breath of the Wild. I'm, I have a save file that's right before the final fight, but I refuse to beat it because I never want that game to end. And I don't know that I'll ever finish Tears of the Kingdom, but I will definitely play more of it as time goes on. Uh, all right. I'm going to get to my music portion. I'm going to try to blow through this as fast as possible because I've already taken up so much of your time. I will post this list in the show notes because I'm going to rattle off a whole bunch of bands, probably some of them you've never heard of, and I want you to be able to have access and know who I'm talking about uh, when I make this list. This is 23 for 20 for 23 you can blame bob ryer for this because it was his idea (laughs) to do 23 albums for 2023 so this is alphabetical order and then i will give you my top five of the year so in alphabetical order i'm just going to rattle these off aesop rock integrated tech solutions (laughs) i gotta i gotta say this right b dot b dot oh my god i can't say it i gotta go slow b dot doobie B. Doobie live in LA. Just like I said, it'll be written down. Uh, Bedroom, their album, I Don't Know. Absolutely fantastic. Boy Genius, The Record. Crosses, Good Night, God Bless, I Love You, Delete is the album. That is Chino from the Deftones. That's one of his other projects. Absolutely spectacular. Fan Club Wallet, who I had the pleasure of talking to and meeting earlier this year. Uh, their EP, Swan Songs, Small Songs, Volume 1, is short and sweet, really energetic. Absolutely love it. Really glad to have found them this year. Frankie and the Witch Fingers, they have a new album out called Data Doom that is fast and fun. Kind of reminds me a little bit of The Faint in terms of like energy levels and the way that it makes me feel. Um, brand new to listening to them, maybe within the last month or two. It's spectacular. Go and check it out. Gracie Abrams, she has an album out this year called Good Riddance. You're definitely going to want to check that out. Health dropped a a brand new album that just came out last week called Rat Wars. That is, I, my jaw dropped when I put this on in the car and I just cranked it up. It is fantastic. Uh, La Vida has an album called A Place You Grew Up In that you're going to want to check out. Pawa has another uh, album called out called Habita that you're going to want to listen to. Pearly Drops, A Little Disaster is the name of that album. Pussifer dropped Global Probing, which is a live recording of the tour that Bronwyn and I attended uh, late last year. Absolutely just awesome if you want to get a great showcase showcase of what that band is capable of. Uh, The last few in my alphabeticals, we have Sincere Engineer with the album Cheap Grills. Slow Dive, Everything is Alive is the album for that. Solve the album is somewhere between heaven and drowning. Taylor Swift. <gasps> no, nothing. We're I'm all on sorry. mute. I'm we're, on the cat. we're all on mute. You're in like minute 45 right sorry. now, so we just wanted you to finish. <laughs> oh my up god, strong. I'm sorry. The cat was on my lap. <laughs> all right, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, Midnights, and then uh, Woods. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and Woods Perennial, uh, is the album. So Oh, real quick, I'm not going to give you uh, exhaustive descriptions of why. Uh, listeners, just for your information, Aaron is currently dying. <laughs> I can't see any of you, so. 
I was Zoe went gangster. Un- I'm sorry. <laughs> I warned you all in the chat. I told you to grab a pillow. Look, this is my thing. You guys so all got your to things to respond to you, and my cat was like while I was trying to do this. Look, music, music is 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 a part of me. It is. I I love it so much, and. I want people to go and check these bands out. My top five for the year. I can still see you laughing, Aaron. Screaming females. I'm sorry. You can't go past John's comment. What is it? (laughs) He said he he didn't leave. He was resting on the floor. (laughs) Screaming females. Screaming females. Screaming females. R.I.P. man. Oh, yeah, God. yeah, they're done. They uh, they announced last week that they're breaking up. Uh, their new album from this year, Desire Pathway, is one of their best. I am so glad that I had the pleasure of seeing them at the Bell House in Brooklyn a few years back. Uh, one of my favorite bands. Go and check that album out. It is to die for. New my Jersey Zone, screaming females. New Jersey Zone. Yeah, man. My number four album of the year is The Beaches. Blame my ex. Uh, Broadwood introduced me to the beaches several Hell years yeah, ago. Yeah, it was so good. And they've become me one too, of my favorite Steve, bands. They're amazing. They were they're, on my they're top incredible. Spotify. Yep. We saw them earlier this year at Western Fair. They put on a spectacular show. Uh, they're blowing up. They're selling out venues left and right. They're going on tour in different parts of the world. They're being asked on the festival lineups. Like they're sticking and moving. And it's only going to be a matter of time before they don't come to London anymore. And we're going to have to, you know, always go into Toronto to go and see them. So I'm really trying to savor the time that we have with them and see them as much as possible when they're in the area. My number three album of 2023 is Dizzy, and the album is Open Up Wide. Uh, Saw Dizzy with Fan Club Wallet a couple of weeks ago. Hands down, one of the best performances of 2023. Uh, Maybe of my concert-going career, I... It was such a revealing wow. and intimate show. I, I, yeah, like I was trying not to, like, cause I, you didn't get to go. And so <laughs> I didn't want to like go on and it's on okay. about it. But man, that night, that, that performance was real special. Like being right up on there, you can get real close to that stage. I was maybe four feet away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, a 17 longs, 17 songs set. And it was just so intimate. There were tears. It was it was a beautiful, beautiful evening. Uh, number two, Sleep Token. Take me back to Eden. Sleep Token is my band of the year. Uh, 185,000 plus minutes logged into my Spotify this year. I can guarantee you that probably 70-something percent of that was Sleep Token. Uh, I discovered them this year and could not stop. I listened to their entire catalog Love them to pieces. They are now on my bucket list of bands to go and see live. Hopefully that happens in 2024. Finally, my album of the year. This came out way early, but it stuck with me all the way through is Ethel Kane's Preacher's Daughter. This is just like when I found the band Daughter uh, and they became one of my all-time favorites. Ethel Kane is that level of good for me. Uh, there is something truly haunting about Preacher's Daughter. It takes me away whenever I'm listening to it. And I I just fell real hard 
of that album real quick, and I absolutely love it. Uh, all right, getting to the, down to the last two things, and then I'll let you all go. Favorite Talking Comics episode titles. Episode 622, right in front of my salad. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorites. Episode yes. 619, Gingy Whiskers and the Gender Queer. This is the most, <laughs> this is the most triggering segment of these three episodes right now. <laughs> I love it. Episode 615, Talk Dairy to Me, <laughs> when Stephanie came to join us. Uh, episode 608, John Jacob Barbenheimer Schmidt. <laughs> Episode 603, The Tragic Origin of Microwave Man, which was our uh, interview, our review for The Flash. Nice. Uh, episode 600, we could thank Bob for this one. Can I help you with your briefs? <laughs> <laughs> the amazing, the amazing She-Hulk review episode. Yes. Oh my God, I forgot That's about amazing. that. Yep. Bob. Oh, so uh, we got some from you coming up, Chris. Uh, episode 599, Eat a Bag of Graysons. <laughs> <laughs> episode 595, BDSM Thundercats. Uh, episode 592, the Paul, Blart, the Paul Blart Mall Cop of My Heart. <laughs> and my favorite of the year, thanks to, I believe this was Aaron's, episode 586, Bang the Conqueror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah baby oh god um and then last but not least on my on my list here i should have put this next to the music stuff but um concerts that i saw this year from the bottom at the top uh baby metal and death clock at the bottom always at london music hall the beaches and thunder queens at western fair ADG7 at Victoria Park, oh, yeah, uh, the right. Dizzy and Fan Club Wallet Show. And then, of course, I spoke about it maybe two weeks ago, Tool at Scotiabank <laughs> Arena. Just transcendental. I My my soul left my body that night. I <laughs> I was complete. It was amazing. Uh, and that's it. That's it. You can all wake up and grab Woo! your milk. <laughs> Get back on the, uh, on the carpet <laughs> and gather around. That's wonderful, Steve. And ask me any questions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in right away on your first thing: danger and other unknown <laughs> risks. Without being, without being spoilery, Uncle Bernard, please, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, let's just Fish, leave please. it at that. Yeah, um, I, I did buy that for someone for Christmas, so thank you for bringing it to my attention in the first place. Because now someone else will get to just like Giant Days. Uh, and I kill giants. Let's go with that too. <laughs> on the Mona, I forgot because it was TV. It's not in my. It's not in my DVD Blu-ray collection because it's Netflix. Why don't they? Here's something that would definitely sell. Oh yeah, absolutely. and not sell them subscriptions. You put this out in a steel book with cards and and you know DVD extras, whatever. What's what's their deal? And my one final thing, the. Carol and the end of the Their world. Their entire economic plan of getting you to subscribe. <laughs> Here's the thing. People would still subscribe and they'd, make, and they'd make extra money. What if I know. This, what if they what if they sent it to you in the mail though, and then you had to send it back? Like, what if they tried that? Like in an envelope? Wild, like in an envelope, yeah. like in a red envelope. Uh, I would make I'd have someone make me a copy so I could own one. <laughs> or not 
or not return it and dare them to sue me. Um, <laughs> now we see where we dropped the ball at, at NYCC. We didn't ask the question. <laughs> now we know why Netflix stopped doing it. It was Bob. <laughs> That's me. Uh, and the, the Carol at the End of the World. Have you seen the movie Melancholia? Yes. Yes. Okay. So in that vein or happier? I- I think that's actually the first thing you compared it to when you were talking to me, was it not? Um, I don't think so. No? No, I don't really remember. I don't, honestly, I don't know what I can compare it to because it is evolving with every episode. I really thought that it was just going to focus on Carol, but it's it's so much more than that. Like, it's about all of these other people that are kind of coming into her orbit. Like she literally goes and works at a place called the distraction. Like everybody is busy. Uh, like her sister's skydiving and she's learning new languages. Other people have taken up uh, religions and are changing their entire approaches to life for the next couple of months. Her parents are now not, was it naturists? Is that the term? Yeah. Like her parents are naturists and they're involved in a throuple with their like beefy caregiver and every aspect of the Sounds show, like all of that stuff is played very straight. Like okay. it's nobody has a problem. All hate is gone. Like there's no political stuff going on. There's no anything. People are living their lives and everybody's cool with it. Like I'm only about three episodes deep, but I've not seen anybody criticize anyone for how they're choosing to spend the remaining months of their time on earth. And it's, it's a super refreshing approach to those sort of things that like, what can we possibly do to get people on the same page? Tell everybody they're going to die in seven months and 16 days or whatever it is. And there's nothing you can do about it because there's this giant blue planet that is hurtling towards earth and everyone's going to get wiped out. How are you going to spend that time and then having the world open to you, people are flying places for free. People are building houses in parts of the world where nobody's been forever. And this woman, these people can't figure it out. It's it's really, it's very, very, very good. Um, so look for the full review on joblo.com on the 15th. Um, <laughs> hey, I've been sticking and moving the last few weeks i've been trying to get every every opportunity that i can um See, yes here's my question What's favorite that? midnight song oh um lavender Hayes. okay yep mm-hmm. uh that's the first track right yep mm-hmm. i i've i've said this to bronwyn before uh lavender Hayes for me reminds me of my mom it reminds like my my mom used to she was a skater she was a roller skater and I grew up in roller skating rinks and arcades vibe. and stuff yeah. like that. And that song, the vibes of that song sounds like a roller skating song. She yeah. had a, oh, a skating partner named Jimmy. For I sure could does. totally see them doing a routine to that. And I love pretty much any and all songs that take me back to that part of my life because it was it was some of the some of the best years of my like growing up that I can remember. Um, just being in these really fun environments, skating with my mom and having an endless supply of quarters because we were so friendly with all of the, the places that she would skate that I played games for free. Nice. Love so, it. 
Yeah. If you want a uh, if you want a roller rink album, l- did you listen to Carly Rae's? Logan no, I haven't time? heard it. Ooh, that's yes. a that's a roller rink album. Yeah, the whole album. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Well, is it the newest one? Uh, yeah. yeah, might be. It's definitely the one that came out it's over the summer. It's but the Carly Rae, like Taylor Swift, puts out like a thousand albums a year. It's <laughs> nice. the loneliest time. The, yeah, oh, you're talking about the like space theme kind of one, right? Yeah. Yeah, the loneliest time. Yeah, that's the newest one. Oh yeah, here it is. The loveliest time. Nice. All right, I'll check here. Look, I'm gonna save it right now. I'll check it out. Nice. Look at this. Yay. All right. Um, anybody else have any comments or questions about any of my things? You guys read some stuff, didn't you? I'm, I'm um, going to be talking about a bunch of the stuff that you talked about. So I know, uh, me too. So <laughs> tune in next time for yeah, exactly. us to bring up a bunch of those webtoons again. Yeah. <laughs> Week after week, I kept telling myself I have to catch up on She-Hulk. Well, the new version of She-Hulk, and I haven't done it yet. It's in my my you got to. It's so little good. pile. I keep telling myself, and then also every week, every time I'm three of them, they're on yours. Uh, something is killing the children, especially after looking at. I'm just gonna keep calling them Tiny Onion. Listening to Tiny Onion talk about <laughs> talk about it at FlameCon, and then Immortal Sergeant. Oh. I hate Fairyland. I'm like, I, at some point, I'm gonna have to. Yeah. To, I totally to forgot to uh, to add Christopher Chaos to my list. Well, oh, there it is. So Christopher Chaos rules. Christopher Chaos rules. Uh, the Immortal Sergeant. You're right. You know, you got to really commit to those first couple of issues, and then the back. It was rough. It's rough, and then the back end. You you get it. Yeah. Um, and know your station is fantastic. How amazing was that series? Fantastic. You know that I the the that that team they've got their niche and they're just gonna they're just gonna do it they're just gonna do it and I'm I'm there for it. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to see. I got a Brahman was pointing out to me that uh, Sarah does um, prose work as yeah. well. There's mm-hmm. um there's I saw I saw one of their books online yesterday that uh, like just had this gorgeous uh, like pale pink cover. Yeah, that was calling out to me. I got to read that. I bet you it's about rich people getting their comeuppance. I bet you it's about. <laughs> I <that>. hope so. <laughs> I got to type. I like it. They're I like funny. It. They you tell a good story. Doesn't matter kind of where it is. Like I follow them that, on Blue Sky too. Is and, that Sarah Gailey? I'm yeah, sorry. Sarah Gailey. I, yeah. Okay, I, I didn't hear the last. Like one. I'm yes, not. Com- Sarah Gailey's books are incredible. Oh my god, they're hilarious. It. Yeah. Um, like I'm not comparing the two, but, um, know your station is like the other sci-fi thing that I've really loved from the past few, uh, few years right next to far sector. Mm, love it. Like yes. if, if, See, if far sector is the top, like the know your station is right alongside it. And in, in terms of my enjoying it, you've got to read the echo wife because that is a Steve book. Yeah. Right. Bronwyn. Yeah. Steve book. I have that book already, honey. You can. Okay. Yeah. By Sarah Gailey is absolutely a Steve book. It's going to fuck you up in the best way. Yeah. I need to read the rest of David's books before we go to Colorado. (gasps) Yeah, you do. Yes, you do. Well, we got a couple of weeks coming up that we're going to be away from the show. So maybe I'll uh, catch up, sneak in a book or two. Get on it. Exactly. Exactly. All right. I got to pull. Anybody else want to dive into anything that I brought up? No, but since you said your mom was a skater, I've been singing uh, Skater Boy by Avril Lavigne in my mind nonstop. <laughs> she was a skater, the skater girl. boy. <laughs> Let's see you later, girl. Um, <laughs> he wasn't good enough for her. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Oh God, John, me too. <laughs> I know it can't. It, it makes it you feel any better. It won't leave. It, it makes you feel any better. Steve repeatedly said from the bottom to the top, and Bronwyn and I just kept writing backward and forward. Let it drop. That's some wet ass pussy. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Bob, if you don't know, you don't want to know. No, I don't, want to know. <laughs> don't Google it. <laughs> oh, do Google it. It's a beautiful music video about women I mean, empowerment. Great, yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> Definitely Google it. No, and it's just my default answer because my we always tell my mom not to Google it. Yeah, let Bob Google things. He needs to learn. <laughs> let Bob Google. What? <laughs> no, that will be the top of the next episode of What the Fuck? What the Fuck? <laughs> All right, let's. So, okay. If you leave it to me, I'm just gonna barrel through the end of show stuff. Let's so do it. I know barrel. that. While you wait through, go. Time out. This is this is uh, an episode that will launch on the twentieth. Yes. So briefly, I uh, will do this. Kleenex. Briefly. Get your Kleenex, Kleenex ready. Times. Yeah. This is the, the holiday <laughs> season is obviously a time for a family and that's nuclear family, extended family, found family. And it's wonderful to celebrate that as I do with my friends here and you out in the ether. For a lot of people, this is a really sad time of the year. They don't have families. They don't have people around them. Take a moment, find those people in your life, reach out to them, go have a, go get a coffee, go have a drink, go just chat on the phone, exchange emails. It's important. For a lot of people this time of year to have someone to be that someone absolutely it's so true. and i hate you bob i swear every i know time. every friggin time he comes bob. out of nowhere happy festivus <laughs> and chris and i are horrible individuals worst people ever because we cracked each other up right before he said the sad sad seriously chris yeah, I may have just grabbed the wine bottle and chugged it just to make Bronwyn and John laugh. And then poor Bob was trying to say something serious. Okay. Oh, I'm I kind of lucky, my Bob. Off quick enough. I'm actually kind of lucky. I have my Peruvian neighbor. She's an elderly woman that, you know, when I moved in, her and her husband were so nice to me. And then he passed away. So I check in on her all the time. And just, you know, so I, I basically just bang on the wall and she'll hear me. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you okay over there? <laughs> like, everything all right? Happy Christmas. Three times. Times. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Christmas. Exactly. That's adorable. All right. Uh, happy holidays to all of you out there, however you celebrate. And um, yeah. Be Bob, where can our other. listeners find you? Old fashioned email, Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Joey? Uh, Joey at TalkingComicBooks.com Aaron? Airing of Grievances. Oh, you can hit me on an Instagram account. Talking Comics Instagram. John, have you made that uh, account yet? Email somebody and they'll they'll forward it to me. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody. Somebody. Anybody out there. Email it to anybody and they will forward it to John. Oh, you mean John Burkle? Got it. Yep. I know him. I know him. Uh, Chris, what's your your stuff? Uh, Linktree.com slash the myth of psyche has all the ones mostly on Blue Sky and Insta these days. Go check out Gotham Outsiders, which is coming back. It will already be back by the time this 
has time travel. Time, time travel. travel. <laughs> there will be a new episode in your feeds by now. Uh, also, Bronwyn and I have a show called Thirsty on Tunes, which will probably have a new episode by the time you hear this. If Ooh, I, I put my that shade shit together, yeah. or that was shading myself. <laughs> the shade on self shade. Ah, <laughs> uh, Bronwyn, where can people reach out to you? Uh, you can reach out to me at Shiny Baby B. I'm probably most active on Instagram. I occasionally post videos to pet shame on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, but yes, you can absolutely find us through uh, the Thirsty on Tune Instagram as well, because Instagram is where you find me typically. Awesome. We also have a Thirsty on Tune Blue Sky, which I don't think either one of us have posted on in like five months. <laughs> yes. <Nice. laughs> wow. I've backed away from socials entirely since the world started to, to burn. To show you how much time has passed, when I used the old uh, outline to create the new one for this year's, Hive is on here. Remember Hive? Uh, oh, oh, I, yeah. still, I still have the Talking Comics Hive. Anyone ever follows me on it, I'll actually post. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll be back next week with two more presentations, probably a game, and then we're going to take a little break um before the end of the year new years and all that but uh we just want to thank you all so much for listening be excellent to each other stay safe throughout the holiday season and until next time on the talking comics podcast to be continued Steve, are you doing um, GCPD, or do you want me to do it? Uh, you, you, I, you could do it. I'll, I'll just chime in at the end. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, you just witnessed affirmative action. No, I'm kidding. Aaron, why don't you go first too? <laughs> he is going first. <laughs> This is the first time I've ever seen a pussy trying to get into the pants of the guy. <laughs> you need to come visit us more frequently. I was going to say, <laughs> I see this every time I video chat with Bronwyn. It's a little much, actually. Oh, I think I broke John. I think I broke John. <laughs> <laughs> so I just imagine, or imagine our next episode and like Steve just sitting there and then we just see Bronwyn's head like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not done yet. Facts. Facts. I'm still talking about the DC app. <laughs> How do you think he calms down after he talks about the DC app? Yeah, whatever gets you through it. I'm Thanks, saying, Warner he Brothers. <laughs> Unlike John. <laughs> oh my God. There's, there's like just a, all of a sudden in the middle, there's just like a picture of Alfred Puff. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Oh, That's good Lord. Finished. Like halfway through, <laughs> <Alfred>. <laughs> like we so close. And it's one of the, the single funniest things you've ever come out of your mouth. <laughs> oh my god! Can you imagine? Steve rolls over in bed, taps Brown on the shoulder. She holds up a picture of, uh, of Alfred. Like, sorry. <laughs> He's like, sorry. Oh dear. Sorry. Oh dear. <laughs> like, sorry. We had Refresh. some loading issues. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> contact nope. support or retry. There, there, there's a pill for that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Toys for it, say, too. I was going to say toys. <laughs> Literally. Oh no, we drove Joey away. No, Joey has seen the cocktail. Joey's making the cocktail. Joey's literally faded from existence because of that joke. <laughs> mm. Joey's like, I finished, so I'm out. Yeah, I <laughs> so I finished, so I lost interest. Oh, God. A true male. <laughs> <laughs>